welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David Luzader and Nick Shermooksness. In this episode, we will discuss the debut of DCU, as well as the secrets of Secret Wars. Stay tuned for those and many more exciting discussions right here. This time we're going to get it. This time it's going to work for us. We got this, David. We're in control. I sincerely hope so, because I am so close to a mental break. <laughs> oh, welcome, everybody, to the show. Welcome, David. As as you are all unaware, this is my second welcoming of you. As we've had <laughs> the a second welcoming. A second. The second welcoming. <laughs> as we've had a very, very unfortunate... Uh, technical glitch that resulted in us losing an hour of recorded show. Uh, I mean, it was really hard hitting stuff too. We, um, you know, we really explored our personal, you know, selves. Yeah, and, it was uh, deep. There, there were tears. Um, mostly on my end. Mostly on your end. Uh, we had this really great discussion with Robert Kirkman, who was just very open about his life. Um, and he also got Nick to cry. It was yeah. very intense. I mean, I'm uh, just a tearful guy. Yeah. Now, in reality, we, we discuss news, um, but unfortunately, all of that is now gone uh, in the in the great ether that is um, everything that conspires to rage me into a Hulk-like trance. So at least it's still comic book related. It's true. It, yeah, that's why I'm trying to keep everything current. Um <laughs> Now, not Hulk, wanting... Hulk is is, is uh, in chic right now. Is that the it is the phrase? Um, in, chic. in chic, I don't think that's a thing. Can we make it a thing? I've always wanted to have a thing. You've always wanted to make it a thing. Yeah. Um, I I, mean, I thought our new thing was that everything was going to be jacked, like jacked. bats, like bats. bats. My uh, boyfriend. <laughs> Shut up, new Daredevil, up. or new Batman. Um, Shut up, new Batman. All right, but so yeah, we discussed news, and actually, just like we had just gotten to the end of news discussion when everything uh, bottomed out. So maybe we said something super offensive. And an, an incursion we took place that collided our podcast with another podcast. Yes, and what's come out of that is the all new, all different podcast. That's right. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna do a quick recap of the news. Uh, starting off with all new, all different Marvel, we have gotten some uh, some cool little looks at what's coming for Marvel post-Secret Wars, because Secret Wars isn't even halfway done yet, so let's concern ourselves with what's happening afterwards. Oh, right. absolutely. Now, that is very, uh, very Marvel to do. It's like, oh, man, we really hope you guys are enjoying what we're doing right now. Here's what's happening in eight months. Well, I think part of it is that, yes, obviously they want to jump in for the in for, uh, interest for their books. Um, but because uh, they run on a solicitation cycle, mm -hmm. and I know probably within the next week or two, we're going to be seeing um, solicitations for, I think, September or October or something. Uh, a lot of times they, they time their, their press releases for just before those solicitations. Yeah. Well, solicitations are fine and all that, but it's like, hey, like, here's, a whole, here's a whole advertising campaign. 
based well, on yeah, I, I mean, might is, you know, based, I think the consensus is just kind of might as well. Like if, if, right. if either people are going to discover them in like solicitations, like I, I love reading the solicitations and checking all the, the, the upcoming covers and all that. Mm-hmm. Not everyone necessarily does that, right. uh, but the information is going to be out there and it's kind of a unsexy way <laughs> to announce something. So by doing teasers and playing around, it, it kind of gives the information a bit more oomph. Right. And it's sort of like, I think originally solicitations were only for retailers. And then somewhere along the lines, it got, they, became they kind public of blown, information. got blown out into the public. So right. now it's like, I think the, the public the feels Patriot kind of like Act, it's expected. Nick. The Patriot Act is what? The, the Patriot Act. <laughs> this information must be public. Um, so... <laughs> We, we don't want we don't want anything to be hiding in your solicitation. Right, we don't want anything hiding in your comics. We have to see it all right now. Um, so I mean, it's kind of something where I'm sure, especially I'm sure the creators would feel that if it was up to them, you wouldn't find out anything until you read the book. Uh-huh. Um, but because it's all sort of like you release the solicitations up ahead of time, people react. Retailers can kind of put their their pulse on it. Uh, or their thumb on the pulse and see what people are going to be wanting to pick up and then order accordingly. So it does work, I guess, in in their favor, but of course it does lead to the spilling of information far earlier, as well as kind of seeing what the the end of something looks like before you even get there. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I totally get, I totally get like why, like, oh, the information is going to be out there. Let's like, let's make it a whole big jazzy thing um, rather than just like, you know, Let's let's try to sneakily put it out because then you know like a news site's going to be like Marvel's doing this, Marvel's. so like they're trying they're trying to get the attention themselves, mm-hmm. um, which all you know all makes sense, all is fine and and all that. But I just it's just so funny to me that we are not even to Secret Wars number four, and it's like oh here's what the next thing that's going on. Um, but I mean it's to be expected. So so some quick things that came out of there. There are two teases so far, and there will be more, which I'm sure we will discuss in future episodes. Um, but you have uh, an all-new, all-different, kind of very similar Iron Man who is wearing an outfit that looks, you know, same color scheme as before. Whatever, that's fine. Uh, probably the biggest news coming out of this is that um, Rocket Raccoon and is hanging out with a thing. Both of them are in... Guardians of the Galaxy costumes. Uh, old Man Logan is maybe sticking around in some capacity. We're not really sure if that means... Either as part of the new Marvel Universe or uh, continuing on in his own separate continuity. Right. Um, same with... I mean, we've known like Spider-Gwen's going to stick around. Miles Morales is going to be uh, probably kicking it in the Marvel Universe. Um, and apparently a new Spider-Man is coming. I'm yeah, which if you do this. look at the costume, it it does have slight changes to it. Yeah, but I I mean, but that like Peter Parker's changed his own costume a bunch of times. Yeah, so it, that could still be Peter Parker. So we could be looking at another Spider-Man on top of Miles in Spider-Man. I and mean, when you think about it, <laughs> coming out of Spider-Verse, you got Spider-Gwen, Silk, and Spider-Woman. And so now it's like you yeah, introduce so a third Spider-Man. male Spider-Man. Now yeah. you've got three male Spider-Man and and three female Spider-Woman. Women. Yeah, I forgot yeah, anyway. Silk. Yeah, I forgot about Silk. That's right. She is hanging around right now. Yeah. Um, other things. X twenty three is the new Wolverine. That does not mean she is somehow inhabiting the 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 body of uh, of Logan. 
which would be confusing for everybody. Now, she, superior Wolverine. Superior Wolverine. <laughs> well, who would who would even be like this? I guess Sabretooth. I'm and, and, okay. No, I I actually mentioned in uh, our lost tape <laughs> that <laughs> true. Um, are, I do the like the tape. costume. I like everything, and I still like the mask. But it's one of those things where I don't always like when like the long hair sticks out like flows out like that it yeah. flows out like that it just first off i mean battle wise it's not practical and I, i'm not everything about this needs to be practical right no, that's um, true. unless you're medusa and your hair medusa, is your unless your power is your hair in which yeah. case all the power to you and then but panty for, pro v wants to sponsor you <laughs> but i'm surprised that they have no storyline where like some sort of like hair product company doesn't like try to be like we should partner with the inhumans and like make medusa our our sponsor you know, to, to bridge the gap between human and inhuman relations. Right. Um, but with, like, kind of looking at it now, it almost looks like the hair is tacked on in the back. Like, if, honestly, if you got rid of the hair on it, she would look fine with just the mask. The mask actually doesn't look bad, like, just her, like, she just give her short hair. Yeah, or, you know, like, have her, like, tuck it in, because other superheroes do that. Give her some weird, like, Wolverine-esque but female version hair. Like, try and make the Wolverine well, hair work. Well, like, even look at, like, the way that it's curled up in this picture is that it's totally reminiscent of Logan's typical hairstyle. Yeah, well, but, I mean, t- his hairstyle kind of fit with the way the mask was shaped. Right. Which I think the mask came before the hair, so Probably. they kind of styled it that way. Yeah, yeah. But, and not that her hair has to, um, I just think I she could look like Furiosa from, from, uh... Mad Max. Furio. That movie was so good. Imperator yeah. Furiosa. What was it? Imperator Furi- Furiosa. Imperator yeah. Furiosa was such an awesome um, movie. It was really good. You know, I think that could work for her. Just be like, well, you know, I'm a fighter. I'm practical for all intents and purposes. If I'm going to wear this mask, like, I don't want someone pulling out my hair. Right. When I'm fighting. Yeah. She really does seem like the logical choice to take over it, considering her relationship with Wolverine did kind of have a parental quality to it. Yeah. Uh, more than his relationship with his son. With with Dawkins, yeah. Dawkins is yeah. one of those characters where I haven't read the Wolverine's book, and I know that, like, they, they maimed him. Like, they, 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 he lost an arm and an eye, I think. Jeez. Um, like, which, which is funny, because, I mean, it's like he literally just came back to life as a horseman of death. Right. And it was like, hey, buddy. <laughs> And I know they've developed uh, that both X-23 and Doc can develop some kind of bond. And it seems like he may have mellowed out a little bit. But I kind of wish they kept him more of his typical, like, completely despicable self. Yeah, he was really not liked. Well, like, fans did not like him. I, I, I mean, he was never a character I kind of ran out to read. But I thought he was, I always called him Snobberine. <sighs> there was this one cover, there was this, um, from, there was a... X-Men Legacy Wolverine Origins team up uh, a crossover book and there was a cover with like um, uh, Sebastian Shaw, um, the female Mr. Sinister and uh, Dokken and Dokken was wearing kind of like like a like that pompadour or whatever thing like in his shirt collar like he was wearing a nice fancy kind of Victorian era suit and I was like snobberine like he's he's got that savage instinct like he's he's a killer he's like a kind of like a a dressed up saber tooth yeah and that's what i kind of liked about that distinction between them whereas i feel like if you if you kind of damien him you know damien the uh, you know wayne uh, you know, yeah I'm, I'm aware he, he, he have you heard damien of damien wayne yeah i don't i, I think that he's one of those guys where like you don't necessarily have to 
send him down the long, hard road of being a good person. Because he's done some pretty awful things. Now, Grant, I realize Wolverine has done some pretty awful things. Yeah, he's but, also been around for but a long, in, But long in the spirit time. of it all, like, Wolverine was never necessarily meant to be a villain. Dying right. Well, he was supposed to be like an anti-hero. Like a Wolver- yeah, Wolverine. Yeah, well, anti-hero, sure. The, the, some of the stuff he does, even as a hero, is questionable. Right. But Doc is the but Wolverine. You get the idea that he, even if he enjoys it on some level, he's not trying to enjoy it. Whereas Dawkins takes glee in manipulating others. Like his, right. his, his like couple of series prior to his death were like him just being a manipulative jerk to yeah. everyone. Which, uh, which then you have like X twenty three, who she has been more on like the rough side, where kind of you know Wolverine is has tried to shape her more on his own path. Yeah. Versus like, she, <laughs> she's, she came more, like, she's much closer to the traditional Wolverine story. Yeah. Where she didn't have a choice. She grew out of the Weapon X facility program or whatever. Yeah. And, and then slowly, slowly clawed her way up to some sense of normalcy. And now she's kind of respecting the, the, that she's following in that same path that Logan took to try yeah. and redeem himself. I feel like, I feel like it came to a point where, like, Logan uh, had, like, you know, Kate, like like Dokken was on one side and X twenty three was at the other, and he was like, eh, uh, "I'm I'm going with the girl, the girl, the girl's my protege." Well, Sabretooth was also kind of listed up there as being a a, um, a potential feature, and I think he kind of took on a like the way his costumes looked and everything, a kind of Wolverine esque uh, role. Uh-huh. He, I know he was featured heavily in Wolverines, and he's been a, a big focus in the the current Uncanny uh, Avengers volume. Uh-huh. I'm really, I, I'm sh- assuming. That coming out of all new, all different Marvel, we're going to get another volume of Uncanny Avengers. Uh, just given the fact that there's one issue left in this current volume, and like it just feels like for the fact that this team has only been around for five issues, there's got to be something more hanging out on the other side. Yeah, but I, I mean, either way, uh, I think it's cool that X23 is the new Wolverine. Um, Agreed. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm assuming she's going to get her own book. I'll be curious to see who. Is writing and drawing it. Yeah, I'm all for it. I, you know, I I read NYX when that was kicking around, so I'll be curious. Uh, let's see other big news coming out of uh, all new, all different. Um, as we described in the last tape, it's really it's some new, some different, <laughs> which is a much more apt description, but that that doesn't have the buzz to it. Exactly. Uh, Red Wolf is returning, and we certainly didn't make any attempts to discuss uh, whether or not that character was offensive, because we certainly have uh, no place in discussing that. Um, uh, let's see here. What I think else? what's the most controversial is that Iron Man got to be featured twice. I, yeah, it seems like they're really playing Iron Man up to be very central to... Which, I'm just curious, is this going to be... The, the way that... The, the, it's not that the Tony Stark isn't scrum, like isn't slender, but something about the the this armor just makes it does make you feel like it's probably not. There's almost something more youthful about this. Not so much Iron Lad, but that I mean Tony Stark is some guy that's usually kind of middling around his like mid thirties to late thirties. Um, uh-huh. This something about this Iron Man, and this is complete like my brain maybe projecting feels younger. Yeah, and and I'm assuming they're not bringing back Teen Tony. Well, I don't know. They brought back young. Uh, I almost said Deadpool. Uh, young Deathstroke. They that's true. They did. They did. But, but technically, they they were kind of model, model it after the Arrow show, right? Um, whereas, like, if they were trying to model it after the movies, Iron Man's 
even well, older than he probably is in the comics. They could be like, all right, we've reverted Tony back to his normal state, but in order to do so, we had to knock 10 years off his life. <laughs> that, that could be how it shakes out. It's, it's, it'll be curious to be, because they say that it's not a hard reboot, that there are new right. elements in play, but that the history is it's, still there. It's more of a shake-up than it is so a is it, So it's like, let's let's just speculate on the end of Secret Wars. If, if it's kind of like a House of M moment where they're like, no more mutants, and the world goes back to the way it was before, but without all the mutants, is this something where when the world goes back to normal, quote-unquote, are they going to go back right before the Earths collide? Because technically, right before the Earths collide, you had Captain America and Iron Man duking it out. Well, I feel like, like their solution is going to be... Look, these two Earths were going to collide. Let's just merge them. Whether or not that merge was going to like be like they've always been merged, I don't think it's going to be. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be like it's like at some point, you know, Scarlet Witch had that ability to change everything again and said uh, merge the Earths or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, obviously, I don't get paid by Marvel, uh, but if they want to, I'm more than willing to discuss that. <laughs> um, you know, I think they'll find some way of like no, 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 like. Instead of a, you know, the point of impact, if we just merge the two worlds, like that'll avoid the coll- like the collision. Mm-hmm. Like they go know. back to before. Because one thing they state in Secret Wars number three, which we might get to, is that um, Doctor Strange tells some of the surviving characters that eight eight years have passed what? since the worlds had collided. But the other characters that survived were coming off the life rafts, and like they feel if they, it's been like an hour to them. Oh, um, so it's one of those like things where, where um, you know, if if something where time time as a concept is still in place, that they could travel back in time prior to the creation of Battle World and get to that point, but it is, so maybe something inside of Battleworld helps them find a solution to stopping the incursions, which could still end with the Earth's merging instead of, like maybe that's their thing where it's like, the Earth's kept destroying, but what if we found a way to merge them? Right, that's what I'm saying. Because there was something along in the stories where, there, it was kind of a confusing story, an Iron Man, or technically Iron Woman from the future, came back to the presence, and there was an Earth, or I think it was a Earth. Maybe it was another like another planet. There was a rogue planet that was coming for Earth, and they found used some kind of technology to move the rogue planet out of phase, so that it was like coexisting in Earth space. But it was like kind of like Kitty Pride ish. It was like right. out, out of phase. Like a shadow. So, so they like used it on an cat. incursion where they were just like, okay, this incursion, like we're gonna substitute our planet for this rogue planet. And it's going to act in our place, so that stops our universe from being destroyed or something. Um, so maybe that's kind of a hint at how they do it, where they're going to phase the two Earths, Earths together as a solution. Yeah. Is what we're going to be ended up with. Or maybe Battle World, because maybe it's like the Ultimate Universe, Marvel Universe, and Battle World kind of get fused together. So that's how you get certain elements from Battle World. Yep. Yeah. I mean, a lot right remains to be seen we can only hope they have some coherent plan but brace ourselves for uh when they probably don't now <laughs> uh, a new hulk will emerge and punch the worlds into a, a com- combination the the the, the superboy punch superboy yeah. will come superboy prime <laughs> superboy prime that's where he's been <laughs> he he's been dealing with the marvel earth now trying to fix it for the better yeah good for him um real quick we'll move on uh last Quick thoughts. They mentioned, or Alonzo mentioned that they are moving towards, uh, you know, like 
how TV seasons do it, where a season will end and then the new one starts up and they start fresh and they try to get new people to come in while staying faithful to the old viewers. That's what they're trying to do now. Every once in a while, they're going to, you know, like they already did it once with Marvel now and then all new Marvel now, which, mm -hmm. oh man, I'm, I'm going to mention it again. Whoever is naming these things, um, like it, it's got to be, it's got to be somebody's cousin. <laughs> who it's like, oh man, I think, or like his brother, like I really, you know, Ma says I gotta get you a job, so you're in charge of naming our new initiatives. How about Marvel Now? Oh, that's great, great idea. Like, what? How about after that? All new Marvel Now. Like, oh, oh, perfect. We can't fire him. It's Stanley's nephew. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, so yeah, like their whole idea is every once in a while we're gonna change our our moniker and. We're going to try and get people to come on while keeping up with our continual continuities, which, you know, good for them. That's a And, and I said, like, I, I think it's good to have an initiative, like, every so often. Um, but I don't mind the season model, but don't necessarily attach every time, like, a big chunk, just chunk of series wrap up their seasons. Don't necessarily just jump into, like, this is the next banner year. Right. You know? it, it feels almost like you have to let it go book by book. That yeah. you can't just be like, hey, we need to focus, um, like everybody, you know, needs to have 18 issues and then we'll change it up. Like if, you know, if this new Hawkeye series, the story comes to like a close and Matt Fraction or Matt Fraction is gone. If uh, Lemire decides like, hey, you know, I've told my story. I want to move on and tell something else. Like they can't be like, well, we got to drag on all new Hawkeye for another six issues. To like, all different Hawkeye. All, yeah, all different. Like after this, you know, like right now it is all new, all different. Is next one just going to be all different and then all different Marvel now? Um, <laughs> all new, all different Marvel now. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's coming. It's <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be here. Like, is it going to be Marvel eventually? Marvel then? Like... <laughs> it'll just be, it'll just be, uh, uh, guys, I think we're just going to call it Marvel. What? The Marvel Initiative. The Marvel Initiative. I really would like to see them be like, all right, we're going to tell stories of like some of our books from the early 2000s we're going to call it Marvel Then. Marvel Then. Yeah. Marvel uh, Forever. Marvel for. Oh, man. That's going to be one of them. Oh, it's Nick. Oh, why did you give him that idea? You can send your checks to Heck Yeah Comics, uh, P.O. Box. Fun, I think fund I our show. Fund our show, please, for the love of God. Um, anyway, so all new, all Marvel, uh, different now. Um,. Some TV and movie news real quick. Wicked and the Divine uh, are gearing up for Universal TV. This is part of the Matt Fraction, Kelly Sue, DeConnick company that um, we talked about this back in February with Sex Criminals getting a show. They said that, hey, we have other uh, image properties, image creator-owned books that are going to be heading towards TV, and this seems to be the first one heading there. Neither of us have really read it, but people like it. It gets a lot of good buzz, so good for them. Yeah, they're very curious to see what's gonna happen. Uh, and also, because I thought this you was, know, was you never picked a song for me to sing on the show. Uh, well, didn't we kind of decide that, like, since she technically didn't die? That's true. That I was willing to let you go this time. Bullet averted. Yeah, for now. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Um, unfortunately, we can't replay this whole discussion but i thought we had a really good talk about um how tv is a really good place for these continuing narratives 
mm-hmm. of comics. And um, right now we're getting a lot of really cool stuff that's not superhero shows. Uh, that, but like, that's like, you know, other creator owned properties. And unfortunately we're going to have every once in a while, a Lucifer mixed into that, um, mm-hmm. because that's probably not going to be great, but that's due to the, the demographic of Fox where they want everything to be hip and sexy and, and which I mean, I they still could now. have made a hip and sexy Lucifer show, but not necessarily boiled it down to a cop procedural when it's, <laughs> yeah. when the comic book is just so much more than that. And I have I haven't read the comics, so I don't know a ton. Um, but when they like first described it, like yeah, you know, Satan owns a bar. Oh, Lucifer owns a bar, and he helps people with their problems. I imagine him having a dive bar, which like it, appealed it is kind to of a me. dive bar, like a piano bar kind of thing. In the show, in the no, oh, in the, the comics, yeah, like, exactly, like, a, like upscale piano bar. Yeah, in the in the comic though, or in the show, it's all like this big sexy club that people uh-huh. come to. Yeah, I really like the idea of it being a little like a little divey, a little more of like an actual bar instead of this is what this is the hip place to Wait, be. Wait, sorry, is a dive bar classy or is a dive bar kind of like a? Oh, dive bar is like uh, it, yeah, it's a shithole. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, no, it's like an upscale piano. Well, even that's like. But it's not like a like a like a inner a club, like a, inner yeah. city, like a club club, you know, yeah, playing like, like the latest top forty. Yeah, no, I like yeah, like, like like upscale piano bar also works for me. Lucifer would promote the top forty. It, yeah, it's true. How do you think all of them got there? By selling their souls to him. The wicked and the divine. Oh, crossover. Oh, it all connects over. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, let's see. Other stuff. Their, uh, their uh, production company is Milkfed Criminal Masterminds, which I think is actually a pretty great production company name. Even criminal masterminds need milk. It's if anything, true. they need milk more than most people. Yeah. Um, it's now, since yeah, you've yeah. actually kind of read The Wicked and the Divine, um, is the Pantheon in there like a known Pantheon, or is that a made-up one? They the do try... No, they're, they're existing Pantheons from various um, mythologies. Okay. Uh, I know... Uh, I don't remember all the names. I know that uh, the writer, that the creative team, was really trying to pick obscure ones, not necessarily like the Thors and the Hercules of them all, but right. very, various other characters from uh, uh characters from mythology um i literally can't come up with any of their names but uh, like balder is that no not not even necessarily from norse mythology there, there might be some norse in there but it's more like maybe some native american maybe okay. some lesser you know mythologies uh, like yeah, one, the, the ones that aren't as promoted Am- which i think is a japanese one that is that's uh in shinto um I, I know all this because Amaterasu is also the main character of Okami, Okami. which I'm replaying yeah. right now. Good game. That's a great game. Um, so I know that's, I believe that's one of them. Um, and there's some African mythologies in there. So it's it's more mixed, not necessarily all the mainstream ones. Sorry. As, uh, as, a, as, a, as a hipster, <laughs> a Pantheon book is apt to do. Yeah. Um, no, it's very cool. I haven't read it. I, I really liked... Um, What's it? Uh, it's Shinto, not Shinto. I'm um, I'm from America, guys. I'm sorry. Um, it sounds a little bit like American Gods. I know it's like it's different, um, but it's it's kind of got like the things that I like about American Gods. It seems to kind of pick on, um, and in that respect, I seem like I would really like it. So I will have to check it out. It's one that I've always seen, and I've been like I should probably get in on this, and uh, haven't. Um, but another news of TV movie variety, 
is that Lumberjanes is going to the the big screen over at 20th Century Fox. Lumberjanes. Lumberjanes. It's a fun word to say. It really is. Thank you, Lumberjanes. It really, really is. Um, No, but that's very exciting for them. Um, That's a book that's really taken off. It's really gotten uh, a big audience going for it. One that, again, you and I are not familiar with, but plenty of people are enough to get a movie. Do you think they're going to go animated or live action? I feel like given the art, it would work better animated. But, I mean, it's one of those things, kind of like the Diary of a Wimpy Kid, that they might just kind of, like, intersperse animation stuff with the live action. Oh, you've actually seen Diary of a Wimpy Kid there, Nick? You're admitting to that freely? Yes. (laughs) I, I would like, in my defense, I'd like to assume that I did watch it with, like, a niece or nephew. You would like to assume that you did, I but you can't remember. confirm. <laughs> I can't confirm. I don't remember. I'm imagining this being like, uh, like you're sitting there watching it, and Anna comes in. You quickly change the channel. Yeah. It's like, what were you watching? Uh, the, the, the porn. porn. Yeah, <laughs> manly things. Uh. Yeah, man, man stuff. Sorry, a wimpy kid. Yeah. Do you ever just feel like a wimpy kid inside? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think it would be cool. Um, to do 20th Century Fox what animations have they done I feel like they did uh, are they connected to any of the big studios which like, one 20th Century Fox yeah oh. it's connected to Fox well yeah but I mean what movies have they done well X-Men animation wise I guess oh, Rio Rio they've done the Ice Age movies did they I yeah they have it works no, it's like Blue Sky Studios um, is who's been doing Rio and, and Ice Age. Horton Hears a Who. Um, other lesser known ones, like, well, not lesser known, but failures like Robots and Epic. Um, so I could see them doing this as an animation. Um, actually, wow, Epic actually did pretty good in the box office. I think it did, yeah. It did actually really well. So, you know, that's a possibility. Um, oh, they're doing the Peanuts movie that's coming up that I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, pretty excited about. Uh, sorry, I'm going deep off on a tangent here. Um, uh, I gotta stop reading this Wikipedia page and get back to the story they were talking about. Hey, by the way, we're on the show. Lumberjanes is is coming. Uh, it's been around for about a year now, so very cool. It's from Boom. Uh. Sorry, studio's first look and TV deal with 20th Century Fox and Boom. So apparently there's more stuff coming. I can imagine so. Boom, I th- a lot of uh, com- uh, publishers are kind of hitching their wagons on uh, big studios like Valiant did um, with some major financial backers. And that's hey. a pretty good way to basically say, hey, we're basically uh, the R&D development for your for like new movies so we'll put out books and then you can decide which ones you think will make you a ton of money huh that's pretty fun actually i really like uh boom studios as a name boom boom it's very exciting very dynamic yeah i mean they're the the company that put out uh irredeemable are they yep oh mark way was actually their editor-in-chief for a time oh very cool yeah i was not aware of that yeah something every day all right other news uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 to have fewer characters, more personal focus. We are all for that. There, I, I mean, the first movie we both felt didn't have a ton of characters in it, but 
you know, the more personal focus is definitely a plus. Um, we know it's going to focus a lot on Star-Lord's dad. Any theories on who it's going to be? Not really. I think it's not a character that... I don't think it's going to be the Collector that some no, people thought. Um, but I think it's going to be an original character, or maybe it's an existing Marvel character. It's going to be Kang. That's how I get the title together. Yeah, Kang. Um, I will be curious. Luke now, Kang. Now, Axel Alonso insists that there's no pressure from them to mimic the movies at all. But but because certain takes on characters are popular, they feel compelled to, yeah. like Star-Lord and Iron Man specifically, take a lot of influence from the movies. Um, I mean, Star-Lord basically completely changed between issues after the movie came out. Um, or even before the movie came out, but they're just like the movie was coming up fast, and they were just like, oh, all of a sudden he wears headphones, and he's much more into music than he was like three issues ago. Yeah, he you know he insists like, oh, you know, all these big things on the screen come from comics, and you know it's there that we really challenge stuff and make all this and et cetera, et cetera, and like that's all like fine and well, but I also feel like yeah, but they have years of storylines to pick through, you yeah. know, in order to do this stuff. Like the the future stuff now, or the future stuff now, which makes no sense. Um, which, like, do, sorry, the stuff that, like the stuff they're doing now are not necessarily storylines that they're going to go readily adapt onto this big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, though Guardians of the Galaxy have felt like fairly original. Like they, they, they weren't following any storyline previously done in the comics. Mm-hmm. Which that's that's got to be a freedom for them to do yeah. kind of whatever they want. Which, which I mean, I think it worked for the film overall. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of the changes that, or a lot of the um, influences from from the cinematic universe to the comic universe is cosmetic. But then there's sort of like they they do like in the comics talk up the fact that like Star Lord listens to music now, and it's like he really didn't. Uh, and also like he spent most of his adult like his, his he spent his whole childhood uh, and early adult life on Earth before going into space so he's not like this he's not necessarily this guy he didn't he certainly didn't have a, a normal upbringing but right. he wasn't necessarily some weird man child raised by space pirates aren't we all though deep I, inside yeah according to my therapist <laughs> um but yes very cool we know people who are returning for the movie are um Michael Rooker's character uh Yondu that's who it is uh Sean Gunn's character Obviously, and um, Nebula, which I, you know, I didn't get like too into her character. Like apparently, she was a very big thing. People were all about her. I mean, she looked cool. I I will agree that um, like narrative wise, she, her character kind of I wouldn't flops too strong of a word. Um, I don't think there was enough for her to do. She just basically would like intentionally. Um, craw about how like she was the less favored sister even yeah. though she stuck by him well yeah and it's like she didn't did she really even have a fight scene nothing really pops to mind where she did anything really cool when she got injured and her like body repaired itself yeah that was cool but it did feel also like a lot of like her standing around being like I'm tough and I, I hate Gamora that's my character right there that, yeah I mean that's all she be the villains unfortunately Unfortunately, Guardians were fairly simple. Yeah, I hope that they 
that's something that I, I would like to see a better focus on is, is a more, I mean, you know, they're going for more personal focus. So presumably the villain, whoever it is, will be more connected um, mm-hmm. to whatever's gone on. A lot remains to be seen. Obviously, they're still in the script writing phase. So who knows? Who knows? Oh, nec- uh, probably next week or so, um, I want us to do our top five predictions for uh, Comic-Con. Mm, okay. I think it would just be interesting to get. Here's what we think is going to happen. Um, but anyway, other news. Robert Kirkman doing a whole bunch of stuff at AMC. Busy, busy guy. Busy, busy guy. And our last news story, which is a little bit transitional, is that Han Solo was married. What? What? Oh, you're going even longer this time. Yeah. In Jason Aaron's latest issue, Star Wars number six, it is revealed that Han Solo had a wife, uh, probably before the events of New Hope and up until events between New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. We don't know much about her. She was revealed at the very end of the issue. And was this Aaron's last issue? No, no, no. He's no. continuing on. It's John oh, Cassidy's it's, last right, issue it's, for it's right Cassidy, now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting to see what bearing this is going to have on the, I almost said Marvel Universe, on the Star Wars universe, obviously not much of one because they can't go refilm the movies. Um, but when they do like the solo film of Han Solo, uh, which is supposed to take place between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, you know, maybe that's an element that could come into play. Uh, he seems like the guy who would have a Vegas marriage. <laughs> yeah. You know, get too drunk or, uh, you know, tell a woman that he wants to smuggle that booty or whatever it is that he says to women in bars and uh you know and would end up being like yeah we should totally get married great idea oh i'm out i'll see you in like six months to six years and just leave her there to do whatever the wife of han solo (laughs) would do but she would have to be like she has to be badass right yeah she she, i mean she she comes if when if you read her parents i had a feeling she, she was looking for han solo in the earlier issues um and a part of me almost thought that they might go down this route. Um, but what am I trying to say? She She's clearly also a smuggler or a mercenary of some sort. Yeah. So they, they probably were just at some smuggler dive bar kind of thing, got drunk, went to the, the closest Tatooine, you know, um, fast and easy uh, chapel um, and just got hitched. Right. They both got a little bit drunk. Um, it'll be curious to see how this affects the um, the Han and and Leia relationship because right now it's not romantic that you know comes later. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you know what is it going to? Uh, how yeah? Like, how's it going to play? It, out? There's no way for it to impact episodes five and six. So how much of a role is it going to play in the story taking place between four and five? Yeah. You know, um, and I'm assuming it's going to have zero bearing on episode seven. Yeah, it's it's um, it, well, episodes. Uh, you know, actually, it could be mentioned because this is canon. You know, if if you have some conversation where uh, Leia gets like mad at at Han 
and be like, oh yeah, just like your first wife or something like that, you know, bring up the past sort of thing. It's funny because this other podcast I was listening to, they were talking about it and they um, mentioned uh, like, oh, you know, the the dialogue between Han and Leia in um, Empire Strikes Back is like really juvenile, but you know, if now if you take into account that he was this like lying scumbag who had like a, a previous wife, it kind of gives the subtext to it. It's like, hold up. You can't put that subtext into a movie that was made like 30 years ago, more than that now. Um, actually, probably just about 30 years ago or so. But you can't like put something that's coming out now into that and be like, George Lucas had this planned all along. Right. Uh, did, he did. Wait, did you just say that he George Lucas had? It no, no, no. You can't. You draft? can't. You can't say this. Like now, like oh, like obviously that that informs what you know their dialogue in this scene because blah blah blah. It's like no, like this was just something that happened now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you it, if now that it is canon, is something where you could say they'd be like, oh, it's cool how now that this is this exists, you can reflect differently on that dialogue but obviously the way that it shook out back then there was never any intention that eventually there would be a comic book where Han Solo would be revealed to have a wife right um, though I th- I thought I was reading somewhere when they announced this that in a, one of the drafts he did have a wife huh but I uh, that's right now that's, that's not completely factual I don't know um, something to look into in the future yeah I'll have to look into that and see if that's true, or if Nick is just a lying uh, nerf herder. Um, oh, Nick, are you ready now to discuss the comics that came out this week? We just did like almost our entire discussion from before. Uh, <laughs> Time-wise, we're just actually a few minutes off. Do so. you want to talk about Nick, the comics that came out this week, or do you want to quiz me? Oh, Nick... It's like you foresaw it coming, like you had a supercomputer in your brain. Just I do. Like, just like this Midnighter quiz. Ah. Oh, man. Uh, as usual, if you fail this, uh, I don't even know what horrifying things Midnighter has done. Um, your family will just, I don't know, get attacked by killer clowns. That sounds Midnighter horrifying. already knows what will happen to my family. Yeah, exactly. And the fight was over before it began. It's true. He already knows the horrible things he's going to do. All right. Ready, and who created Midnighter? Warren Ellis. And? Tom Rainey. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. Was it Brian Hitch? It's Brian Hitch. Oh, I couldn't remember if he appeared before The Authority in Stormwatch or not. No, it was Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch. Mm, I get half a point? We'll see. Okay. Although originally billed as a six-issue miniseries, how many issues did Midnighter's original solo series run for? It was funny because I was reading a Brian K. Vaughn issue of it. Oh. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. I'll tell you about it later. Um, um, how, how many? You said it was originally a six-issue miniseries? It was originally supposed to be a six-issue miniseries, but it ran longer. 20-something issues. I need a number. 26 issues. Oh, it's just 20. Just 20. Just ah. 20. Uh, Ding. Who is Midnighter's alter ego? Lucas Trent. Ooh, nice. Oof. Who created Midnighter in the comics? 
In current comics, it was the gardener from the God Guard. Well, all right. In the previous to New 52. Uh, was it Stormwatch? It was not Stormwatch. I'm not sure what this guy's affiliation was. Say the name. Henry Bendix. Oh, he's he's kind of like the Nick Fury of Stormwatch. Mm. But I mean, I'll I'll I didn't realize he created him, so I guess I still lost the question. You still lost the question. So now that you're at a, let's see, we'll say you're at two and two. You missed the first question. Or no, you got the. I'll say you got the first question. You missed the second. You got the third. Missed the fourth. And that all comes down to this: How did Midnighter kill Henry Bendix? With a punch to the face? No. With a punch to the heart? No. With a punch to the knee? The Midnighter ripped out his spine. Oh, wow, really? I thought Henry yeah. Bendix was kind of a good guy. Uh, I mean, he's kind of a dick from everything I read. Is... Like, kind of a good guy is probably a good way of saying it. Um... Oh, there, okay, sorry, there was a black character that was part of Stormwatch that I thought Henry Bendix was, but that's no. not... Like, there's this whole storyline where apparently Midnighter is manipulated by a, like, dimension-traveling version of Henry Bendix, mm. um, who was a, at that time assumed dead um, before the engineer was able to take mind control. Okay, anyway... Well, I think, uh, yeah, you uh, failed. So the Midnighter is going to come and um, kill your family. No, too bad. He already, he already knows how they're going to try to defend themselves, and we'll stop it. Dang it. But, you know, Midnighter's a good place for us to start on our discussion this week. What did you think, David? Well, uh, I thought it was a good issue. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% on the story yet. I felt it was a little bit hard to follow chronologically mm -hmm. as to when things were happening. Um, I mean, I think I think it's pretty linear, but there's a couple of things that when they happened, I was like, wait a minute, are we like hopping back to a previous, yeah, you know, like event? Is this like a flashback moment? Just like in some of the dialogue was a little like, like the, this was a little misleading, but it wasn't too bad. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. again, people are going to hear this and just be like, oh, you're a massive idiot. Um, which is perfectly reasonable. That's fine to tell me. Um, I thought that this book was really well written, especially when it came to dialogue. Uh, a lot of the dialogue was very, I guess, clever. Is the it just, it had a very natural flow to it. Mm -hmm. um, it it's interesting because I don't I don't really know a lot about Midnighter. Um, I, you know, aside from what little bit of Grayson I've read that he appears in. Um, mm -hmm. He's obviously, he's a dick. Um, I mean, just, you know, let's be honest, he is. He, uh, he's a little bit more of that anti-hero side. Because he he's, even says... He's definitely Batman unleashed. Yeah. But not, um, he doesn't really have this, he doesn't really dwell on the fact that he has this tortured past. He's, just, he's kind of, when people refer to Batman as kind of like, God Batman. Right. Like the Batman that can do anything. And then it's just like, well, let's make a character that can basically just do anything. Right. Uh, he's the all-new, all-different, all-gay Batman. Oh, all-different, all-gay. Um, well, you know, it, and there's this point in the in early in the issue when he's on his date, and the guy's like, loving it so far, never dined with a superhero. And he said, that's a strong word. 
um, ever done anything else with one. Uh, so he's he's positioning himself at the beginning of this issue as he's not a superhero. Yeah. But oh, I mean, he's that, one of the things. At least with the new Fifty Two Stormwatch, um, was was kind of just the authority was that they established that like they don't see themselves as superheroes. They actually look down on superheroes as kind of being just like a joke. Yeah. That like them and Stormwatch were like the real deal, and everyone else is just playing at it. That's so I could see him. I mean, and and the fact that he's just like, yeah, I don't really subscribe to that kind of thing. I'm just Midnighter, right? Well, but but he also has this drive to protect people. You know, he he goes on a couple dates with this guy, and then uh, injects something in him that's like, look, if you see anything bad, uh, it'll allow me to to get there and help. Um, so like they are good guys, but they're not the public face of superheroism. Um, but anyway, like I was saying, where all all I really know about uh, Midnighter in a lot of ways is that he's you know he's he's kind of a dick, um, he's he's rough around the edges. But what this book was able to do in a very interesting way was make him really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that he's kind of this needy boyfriend type that he like he like he's on his like he's it's like the morning after and he's like i'm gonna make you breakfast and he's just like coming on really really strong yeah um the, the i was curious what role the the uh you know his sexual orientation would play because you know when you have a gay character they tend to be like oh man like this character's gay people like it let's just really play it up but i didn't feel like they were playing it up they were playing it more his personality of this is a guy that wants a relationship and I think that's the difference between, you know, fl- whether you're flaunting a heterosexual relationship or a homosexual relationship, you have, like, he, they they made it feel like it was all coming from his personality. I mean, it wasn't just like, yeah, like, yes, they showed a sex scene, gay or otherwise, but that, like, what it led to after that was like like I said, sort of like that needy boyfriend thing where he's like talking about his ex and it's like, yeah. but don't worry about it. And the other guy is just kind of like, oh, you're kind of coming on he's really like, strong, he's like, Look, man. It's just breakfast. Like it, yeah. yeah like it, it actually it it was used, and this goes for every sex scene ever. It was uh, not well, not that every sex scene accomplished this, but a good sex scene can ultimately help reveal certain aspects of oh, the yeah. plot and the character. A, a, a character shouldn't just that. be having sex like randomly unless it's like a you know porn comic. Like there should be meat to it. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, did not mean to go there. There should be reasons, and it should have uh, you know an, an overall effect on the story. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't just be like out of nowhere sex scene. Um. But one line that really kind of stuck out about the whole thing to me is when he is uh, talking to the bartender, um, and he's kind of bemoaning um, how relationships are difficult. And the guy says, I had a girl once run out on me because I leave dried shaving cream in the sink. Women, men, the parts don't matter. Ask me. They're all crazy, brother. They don't know what they got when they got it. And I thought that was that kind of set up a great tone for this book, where it's like, yeah, he's gay, it doesn't matter. What he's looking for is a relationship. It's no different than if he were a heterosexual guy looking for a relationship. Yep. Um, and... <laughs> this is like we could treat this like the the Black Widow SNL sketch right. with Midnight. Like I'm just trying to get up in the corporate ladder and find the love of my life. While also murdering Being people, the crap hardcore. out of people. Yeah, and I look like he's super badass. 
Um, one thing when, when I first started reading it, I thought like, okay, is this going to be like a little like comedy, um, like a little too much comedy, like kind of in the crazy irreverent way, a lot of like Marvel stuff's going right now. Cause the opening, um, his dating profile, chronically new in town, computer and brain, superhumanly flexible, uh, generally use flexibility for justice, looking for other uses, have headbutted an alien. Whatever you're thinking, the answer is likely yes, but with punching. Uh, which is a mm-hmm. great dating profile. Which, um, yeah, I mean, there's definite humor there. But I do, it's it's books like this where it's the little character touches. Like the fact that when like his date wakes up, Midnighter's on the floor just being like, yeah, I don't do beds. Right. Like I'm just not used to sleeping in a bed, so I sleep on the floor. Yeah. Um, which I thought was cool. You're right, that, like the dialogue, the line that you've listed about the, the men or woman doesn't matter, they're both crazy, uh-huh. is really good. The... You're right that sometimes, like, the art's actually really, really good, but sometimes the way that it's structured, like, unfortunately, on one hand, the opening fight scene at the date, it was, did a, it feel was a, a little, little forced. muddled. Like, it was like, uh, it didn't feel as a very organic way to show off. Like, it, it was, it once it was, once you're in it, it was like, this is a good way to show off his powers, uh, and art wise, especially, but, but, um, I mean, narrative wise, it was kind of like, I did it. Did, what, are they, they going to play a purpose in in the later of the books? Otherwise, they just seem like some weirdo nutbags that he gets to kick around. Right. They, they just wanted to write in a scene where it's basically like are... the Wrecking Crew showing up on DC in a Marvel comic, yeah. and the heroes just beating them down while they they talk about what they have for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. There there probably could have been better ways, but sort of like what? Like I get that the, 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 this was like a crazy militant group. Why were they attacking that cafe? Were they looking for Midnighter? I don't think it really expressed why they were who uh, they were looking for. If anyone, they, they just started say, killing people indiscriminately. They kind of say what they're all about. Um, I'm sure they'll they'll play a part in later things. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, hands off your foie gras, white collars among you three, motoring among you three motoring traders hiding behind your constitution is your hemorrhage. Uh, yeah, what was a motoring? I, I guess I, I forgot that part. Among yeah, among okay, among you are three. So that's they were looking for these people. I I would probably guess that who whoever his date was was one of them. Um, we have butcher blasters. We can kill you with our own anger, uh, which is an interesting weapon design. Um, yeah, I don't know. I imagine that's something that's going to come back into play in later issues. So there's a country. There's a country called. Medora in the Balkans. Okay. So it's not it's not an alien race. It's actually so it's some kind well, of militant group that's against Medoran nationals. I guess. Yeah. Like, maybe. Maybe. Um, it, it's it's so funny because that that scene, as you know, as much as it worked to be like, and here's who Midnighter is, was like quickly forgotten about in all of this other great stuff about Midnighter. Yeah, like the thing finishes, he shoots someone. And then it's like, yeah, I'm just at the bar. Crazy, crazy date. But I'm going to go back and meet up with him. I think. Yeah, so right? that, see, it, was, it was the scene in the bar that threw oh, me off. Oh, I'm sorry. It says it. When they go to Moscow, it says second date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the bar scene is what threw me off. I wasn't 100% sure when that was taking place. Because the way he was talking about it was like, like, he's ha- like it, it didn't seem like he just had a date. It seemed like he was just kind of sad about his singleness. Mm, I like that he's in Boston. Um, of course well, he does say, I just washed mercenary trachea off my back. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. In my first read through, it kind of it kind it's kind of piecing back together. The, the opening scene did feel kind of tacked on just to kind of show off his powers, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But well, when, especially the, when you need like you know, you're you're wanting people who aren't Midnighter fans to pick it up. Yeah, which in that case, it's fine. Like it, it certainly didn't take me out of the story, and definitely kind of flipping through and doing a slight reread as we talk about it. Yeah, uh, I'm. I, I like the line. I'd like to continue my slow ritual suicide by cholesterol. Yeah, it's like accelerated healing. Um, <laughs> oh, but each fried dish is a part of my master plan. I'm your true arch enemy. Yeah, th- yeah. There was a lot of really great moments like that. Um, one thing I really liked about the art was in that fight scene when they kept doing the 3D thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it kind of reminded me of like Andrea Sorrentino where, you know, he wants you to focus on this little thing in a panel. He'll, you know, he'll highlight it, mm-hmm. um, which he also did in, uh, old man Logan a lot, but I thought that it, you know, in this way it served sort of in that mortal combat where it's like, finish him. Yeah. Which like those things get ridiculously brutal, but it's like you, you, you know, they kind of downplay the real physical violence of like actually like hitting someone really hard. Yeah, making it look like an x-ray or or going in too close. People's skulls are cracking. It also kind of hides the violence a little, um, which, like, the implication of violence is always a lot worse, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. What your mind makes up. Right, like, you're seeing what's happening to him on a skeletal level, but it's like, oh, man, imagine what that that must look like with flesh around it. Mm -hmm. Makes me think of... The, the first fight in the movie A History of Violence where he just like starts pounding the guy's face in. Ugh. Which um, is based off a comic book so it's relevant. Have you ever seen Pan's Labyrinth? Oh yeah. Oh I, yeah. I haven't seen that in forever and someone reminded me of a, of, um, a scene where uh, like the bad guy um, I don't remember his name but like is mad at someone so he like hits him with a bottle and then just starts oh, yeah. bashing his face in with it. Yeah. Oh it's so it's so and, like the sounds I watched that scene again recently. I was like, oh, oh, no, no. I'm sorry for whatever he did. He didn't mean to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's... Violence can definitely be brutal. Uh, I would say a lot of people in our generation and younger are already desensitized to it, in a sense. I, I think we don't realize how we're, how we're not desensitized to it if we see it up close. If we saw it up right. close, if we would be like, oh, my God. Well, but also because a lot of people are... Like, the younger generation can are able to separate you know, the violence of video games and cartoony stuff from, like, real actual violence. Yeah. But, I mean, we, like, people like you and me, at least, like, we don't kind of get caught up in street violence. We don't get caught up in international conflicts, you right. know? Um, we've been pretty lucky so far avoiding being in a terrorist attack. Like, you know, so kind of being exposed to, and if we, and sometimes when we see things on video, it's, there's, there is kind of that illusion that there's a barrier between you and something that actually happened. Yeah, but when I watch, like, real violence, though, like, stuff that, like, is being filmed with people on the street, it's always a lot harder to stomach than a movie. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It's it's and it's almost weird, like, why? You know, right. besides maybe scenes like what you were referring to in A History of Violence. Right. When they when they really well, yeah, don't when they, pull any punches. Yeah, Literally. Like, yeah, when they capture the... like they're, In action movies, it's in a way glorified of, like, yeah, you want them to blow up uh, that tank and kill all the people in there. Yeah, that's awesome. But it's like it's really shown um, on a very realistic level and being like, look, like really horrific violence does happen all the time. But um, it, we're never really shown it like close up and like made to look at it. And then it mm-hmm. can be really hard. 
Anyway, Midnighter was a good book. Midnighter um, was a good book. I the, really hope to see it continue. The Gardener's his mother, right? I don't know if she's like his mother, mother, or can call he calls her mother because she turned him into Midnighter. Right. Like, this is what you've done to me. She doesn't strike me as a woman that, first of she has kind of a, an Asian appeal, and I don't think her last name's Trent. Well, but then again, he apparently doesn't know much about his life previous to being Midnighter. That is true. I think he just calls her mother because she turned him into Midnighter. Yep. No, I'm curious to see. Uh, they're they're doing that thing where they're kind of building it to be. If people don't really like this, we can just kind of push it off after a few issues. Mm-hmm. But we hope you like it so we can keep on going. And someone um, walked out of here with it. Good. He won't be walking for long. To be continued. It's just like everything he says is just like badass and extreme. Um, one thing that I realized is really great. I was watching Scott Pilgrim the other day. Is that everybody in that movie tries to do really cool one-liners and nobody can. And so they're all like these really awkward bits of dialogue. Like I never like I, I, I the time I watched it, I'm like, oh, this seems really funny. Now that I'm watching it again and I'm catching that that's what's happening, it's just it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> anyway, other comics, other stuff that came out this week. What uh, what what tickled your fancy? Mm, what tickled my fancy? Um, let's see. I I actually read quite a bit of the new DC books. Yeah, um, no, we we, but... we really hit DC a lot this week, which is good. I did, which you know, I, I've been pretty excited about their new initiative, so I wanted to sample as much as I could. Yep. Um, um, sorry, I, one more thing, real quick. Or what are we going to talk about next? I, I guess I could have brought up Amazing Spider-Man Renewed, but unless we can keep it on the DC train. Um, and you you read Batman Beyond, right? I did. Actually, before we talk about Batman Beyond, let's talk a little bit about um, action comics, which I, I haven't read. The, okay. The reason I want to is because I I realized that they're doing something with that storyline in it, uh, with truth, that I really like because it got brought up in Midnighter, um, where you know they're at dinner and these guys are casually talking and it's like, oh, did, you know, what about Superman? Did you hear that? And I like seeing when these these things that are really big deals. Have, like get mentioned in other books mm-hmm. and have like sort of a consequence. Like that's not even a consequence. That's just like that's a thing people would be talking about. Exactly. It was it was a great way to be both a bit of small talk and also it helps juxtapose um, contrast Midnighter to characters like Superman. Whereas like Superman's whole life is falling apart because of his secret identity. Midnighter wouldn't care who who knows. Right. He obviously doesn't. It's his dating profile. You know. Um, but if because well, he but Mino is also this character a character that like, doesn't really have a secret, a secret identity. identity yeah not not and not that like his his person his his profile is known but that like he doesn't really have a past and besides maybe like the 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 gardener um, he and, and Apollo and other people that can ably hand themselves in a fight he doesn't really have anyone that he's worried about right but um, no I, I agree with you it was a, it was a nice little touch. Um, so action comics. So, yeah, we don't have to talk a lot about this. Just kind of tell us how truth well, is going so far. What's kind of funny? First off, uh, I love Aaron Cooter's art. He's been the, on the artist on action comics for a while now uh, with the writer Greg Pak. Uh, I read a couple issues on and off from their pre DCU run, um, and, and what I've read I've liked, but mm-hmm. I, you know I just I never quite delved into it. Um, What's kind of funny about this is that first, first off, even though all the Superman books are touching on truth, you, in theory, you don't need to read 
Superman. All, it's not like uh, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three kind of thing. They're all kind of handling their own different viewpoints on the situation. Like Superman's going to deal with the lowest thing. Uh, Action Comics is going to deal with I forget. And <laughs> uh, and um, and the Batman, uh, Superman, Batman, uh, Superman, Wonder Woman um, are going to you know Superman Woman is obviously going to deal about his relationship with Wonder Woman. Um, which apparently is on the rocks because he says something to her to the effect of, I don't love you anymore. Um, but we don't really know why that's happening. Right. Um, what am I trying to say? So Action Comics takes place um, after the eight-page... Unfortunately, uh, a lot of these books, like you're going to want to read their eight-page previews. Um, like with Omega Men, like it follows right after the eight page preview. So you're just, so if you're reading the first issue and you didn't read it and you're just like, huh, Kyle Rayner's dead. Like they killed him. When would that happen? It happened in the preview. Um, oh, so it's kind of odd in the action comics preview, which I know what happened. I didn't read it. Um, Superman went to the fortress of solitude. And for one reason or another, he's also losing his powers in the fortress of solitude, which I guess is on some level sentient rejects him, including taking his costume. So he basically, walks from the, wherever the Fortress of Solitude is through, through like, I think Alaska and like ends up in a small town, ends up buying a t-shirt and buying a guy, a, a motorcycle off a guy. They realize that he's Superman that, and like start harassing him. And then he makes his way back, back to Metropolis eventually. Okay. Um, where like shenanigans is going down on like the city block he lived on. They introduce a new character with the initials LL. There's, um, oh, there's always an LL. She's a a, a a a female firefighter named Lee Lambert. Huh. Um. And uh, it's it, Metropolis is turning kind of Gotham-y. It, they're basically the the his city block that that he lived on was cordoned off, and I guess the people that he lived around like started celebrating him because a lot of people have been kind of giving him um a lot of crap. So he. So they cordon it off, and then by the end of the issue, you see the police forces that are cordoning them kind of move in on the neighborhood. So there's this big conspiracy, conspiracy, sorry, conspiracy going on in um, the background of the book. I, I said I know some. I think it was Greg Pack mentioned what each of the books are kind of dealing with. They reference what was funny was that in this issue alone, they reference both Superman number forty one which hasn't come out yet, and Superman number 42, which definitely hasn't come out yet. So it, even though it's, it's not sort of like a chapter one, chapter two event, the fact that they released Action Comics before releasing Superman number 41, which sounds like it's the like the, like the starting point for all these books to launch, mm-hmm. was kind of awkward. But in the grand scheme of things, when it's all said and done, you can go back and read it however yeah. Um, but I, it's a, it's a, it, the fact that they're exploring an outed Superman is the kind of thing where they, it's really hard to put back in the bottle without feeling disingenuous. So I'm very excited to see how they develop it and where it goes from here. And if they ever truly do decide to put it back in the bottle. Yeah, I don't really know how they could. Well, I mean, you could say the same thing about Spider Man when he announced it on and, public on national TV. Yeah, and look how that turned out. Like I think. DC and that's what I mean by disingenuous. Right. They could do some magic hand waving, and then boom, his identity is concealed again. But it's going to feel disingenuous, right? You know, yeah. These, in a sense, these are stories about Superman that we haven't seen in this particular fashion well, before. And I think, and I think that might be why they're probably not going to have it be like go back into the bottle because it's like 
you know, Superman's a difficult character to to update. It's like this is kind of a good way to kind of force him into the light, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I'm I'm definitely going to keep a close eye on it. Uh, hopefully, I mean, I mean, you were saying like you don't really need to be reading all of them, right? It's according to some of the interviews I read, that you could read them all independently. They do make okay. references to the other books, uh, and they'll even do editor's notes to tell you like, oh, like, like, if you want to know more. And that's right. why I was like, not only do you have to check out at Superman number forty-one, but also Superman number forty-two. Probably comes out next week, but right. you know, that's the other one's a month away. You know, and unfortunately, with a lot of people, you probably pick up the comic, read it, and then you put it in your pile and you move on to the next one. Yeah, but um, yeah. but I mean, it was good. It was good. I thought the writing was good overall. He kind of writes in this um, not like idealized format. It's not. It's. It's the difference between someone like, say, Brian Michael Bendis, who tries to write like how real people supposedly talk, and maybe someone like Joss Whedon, who uh, kind of writes this sort of like elevated, you know, dialogue where people probably wouldn't really don't actually talk like that, but it's more the dialogue's more engaging and right. snappier. The the characters, you know, like, hey, Superman, you're a punk, like kind of like uh, something you'd see in like the Sandbox, you know, some kind of <laughs> right. like it's not necessarily kiddish dialogue but it, it doesn't it feels a bit more quaint mm-hmm. but not necessarily out of place or out of date and his superman both between the art and the writing his superman definitely feels a bit more fully formed like he has a bit more of a personality he's still like the fun helpful guy but there's an, almost an exuberance to him like right now his life is shit but he's like he's just like oh i got like this shirt and like i got this bike and like i'm good and he's like See? talking about how like that he's losing his powers He's like he appreciates food more, and like he's more susceptible to the cold. So it's really cool, kind of seeing how him his react. I like I, that. I, I like that idea. I I will say that it feels like a little bit much to do both outed identity and losing his powers at the same time. I mean, it's a double whammy if there well, ever was one. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what they. I mean, it's sort of like what they did with um, Daredevil and. I'm forgetting the story now. Um, you know, the one where his, his identity gets revealed to, well, Kingpin, essentially. You know, it's like, not only is, like, your enemies going to know again. now. Bor- yeah, born again. Like, not only do your enemies know, but we're going to destroy you on a personal level. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's like, when it rains, it's going to pour. Yeah, which I guess, you know, it helps. But he's basically, Superman's going to be this guy that, you know, drives around in a, a T-shirt and on a motorcycle. I think the, the Batman Superman preview had him driving excuse me, into a crime scene just on the motorcycle, just knocking someone over with the motorcycle. And then, like, Gordon Batman comes in. But it's like, how are you going to repair that motorcycle all the time? Uh, just... And he hasn't completely lost his powers. Like, But the, uh, at the end of the issue, he gets distracted going off to fight these other things. And he like he's not quite leaping tall buildings in a single bound, but he could, like, jump from the ground to, like, the rooftop of a building. Right. You know? Um so I think it's, there's going to be some fluctuation on how powerful he actually is or how reduced his powers actually are. Which I think, I mean, I think that's fine. You know, when, when his power, like have him be on a scale for a little while. Like I, you know, today I can punch people through a building. Today I can just punch someone that's going to hurt a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like obviously his powers are unstable, but they're not gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it, it's you know I'm I'm really excited for the storyline, so we'll see where it goes. Very cool, very cool. Let's talk about Batman Beyond a bit now. 
Batman Beyond. Batman Beyond. The Beyonder of Bats. <laughs> what did you think? So, I did not read all the way through Future's End. Um, Neither did I. Which, I, you know, I was a little bit worried of, like, great, is there going to be stuff I don't get? But I didn't feel that way at all in this. Um, <laughs> you know, knowing about Future's End probably helped. But at the same time, I, th- I thought they did a really good job of making this a, a good enough point that um, anybody could sort of jump onto, even if they didn't uh, go through everything on Future's End. Um, uh, maybe that's not true. I mean, they do kind of mention that Terry went back in time and then failed and is now dead. So you do kind of need to know some context. So I take back pretty much everything I just said. But what I'm saying is you don't need to have read Future's End. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to just kind of have a general knowledge of what was going on at that time, why why Terry was back there. Um, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting journey because obviously, um, you know, obviously this is a future that, you know, it's, oh, they failed to save it, but things are different. And, you know, Gotham's not as destroyed as it was before. Uh, there's a possibility even of other cities being safe that we just don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this future is not the one that Terry himself, even though it's very similar, but it's not the exact same. Um, I thought there were some really, uh, really cool concepts introduced, like the veil um, was really interesting. Um, and I, th- I liked, see, speaking of scenes that they, they kind of show off what, you know what a character can do. That one felt a lot more organic, say, versus the Midnighter one did. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, transitioning from there to the scene where you have him talking to Nora and Matt. Uh, you was know, Nora he, a character from the cartoon? I, I, I couldn't remember. Was I she the, was one of his his classmates that like kind of becomes his oracle? Uh, let's find out. I don't think that. No, I think that was Maxine. Oh, maybe it was Maxine. Um. But one, one thing, uh, spinning out of that, is I really, really like the uh, character. Yeah, Nora, I don't even think, has been mentioned in Batman Beyond yet. So I don't know who she is or who she was to Terry. She might be an original character. Um, which is all fine. But I really liked um, how they're playing Matt in the story, where he knows his brother was Batman, and he loves, he loves his brother for that. But he's also... A bit entitled. Yeah, he is. And he's like, he's upset with Tim. Like, for not even a personal reason. Like, just well, like, I yeah. should have been back. Right, I should be the one who's in that suit. And I was like, no, kid, you shouldn't. Yeah. Like, just because your brother was, like, doesn't mean you should be. Kind of like Damian Wayne when it was the, the Dick and Damian power hour. Right. Um, keep going. Um, so I don't really know how much, you know, how much else I have to say. This is not the Batman Beyond universe we know. Things are very, very different. It, what's really interesting is they, like, they're saying, like, with this book being in existence, this is the definitive future of DC. Mm-hmm. Like, everything is still heading towards this. They also have on the cover, they have a bunch of these characters from the Batman Beyond universe. They have Old Man Superman. They have the Green Lantern on there. Um, you know, plenty of others that have appeared both in, in the comics and the show. And then None of those guys are in the comic. It's almost like they commissioned the cover before they settled on what the book was going to be about. Or it's like, 
or things you know are different and we just don't really know yet because they they encounter that Superman like robot. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's actually Superman. Well, it is Superman, but I do think it's interesting. Like depending on what year he was turned, you know, uh-huh. he looks like present day Superman, but he should at least seem older. Right. But he doesn't. So it it seems like there's a lot at play here, um, and we don't know what it's going to be. Uh, they introduced Barbara Gordon right at the end as being in this universe. Um, which Ooh, Bar- she was a Batman Beyond character. Right, she's always been fairly prominent in Batman Beyond as the uh, police commissioner of Gotham. And it's, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not, it, it varies from person to person. So, you know, some people, you know, lose their hair color, you know, at various ages. I'm wondering where she gets the dye because I'm assuming she's <laughs> old enough to this point where, you know, she if, she, where, if she was living in, in the modern, in, in a, a not dystopia, She'd probably have access to hair dye. But, like, it's it's Neo-Gotham, bro. So, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, she probably would have white hair. Yeah. Or as close to white hair as possible. Now, after our discussion of you saying, um, you know, Gotham is always, like, a crap hole no matter what, I mean, how do you feel about Gotham being the only surviving city of the future? Oh, well, of course it would. <laughs> um, okay, so... It's, it's a virus that can't be contained. <laughs> it's a cockroach. Um, it... First off, I actually really like the art in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. I, a lot, of, especially the way he would draw Tim's face in the um, suit, or Nora's face was good. And the suit came off like it wasn't quite as cartoonish as it is in the show, right? But but still works because it just you know, it's one of those suits that's kind of hard to pull off. The fact that like he talks, like you see the you mouth, you can moving see the mouth move yeah. through the suit. Um, artist was Bernard Chang, I believe. I'm sure I've seen other work from him. Here's my thing. First off, it's oh, put not... that away, Nick. This is a family show. <laughs> um, it's part of me actually liked the something about like people always come from the future and end up in the past, kind of like the way Terry did in Future's End. Uh huh. So it's so a lot of times you you don't you do get like there have been stories where like someone from like primitive times gets brought to the present. Isn't that kind of so, what Samurai Jack is? That's that's like that's like so. This is kind of like Samurai Jack in a way, which is a positive comparison, I suppose. Um, so I kind of like the concept of the the person from a more primitive time being brought to a future where things aren't quite the same. It's the like it's the same thing as like it's all like Captain America, you know. It's kind of a Captain America thing. Um, I don't necessarily mind that it was Tim. That it's Tim, but because it's a five years later go. Tim, not act like the Tim that got sent to the future, I would have preferred if they were going to do it to have it be the current day Tim. Just because, like, this is only the definitive future as long as people they care to publish it, and then they'll change it to something else. Um, if it was the Tim, then even if Tim returns and the future is changed, it's still like an experience that he can hold with him. Right, uh, and we finally get like the Tim is Batman. So something about having it be five years later, Tim, kind of makes it feel like a couple degrees removed from. And this is me kind of being pretentious, but that it matters, quote unquote. Um, it, it's just, and, and part, I will say that from what I what I read in Future's End, I did like older Tim for the purposes of that story. Yeah, yeah, but. 
you make you have a book called Batman Beyond, and it doesn't actually feature Terry McGinnis, and it takes place in this like in an awful dystopic future that apparently has changed somewhat because of Terry McGinnis traveling to the past. But it sounds like it mostly changed simply because Terry McGinnis was in the past, not because he did anything. Well. Besides being in the past, I mean, which I guess in and of itself is, hey, success. That's hard to say. We're not exactly sure. We're sure. It's something that will be revealed over time. I think because I just kind of got tired with the plots of Future's End, is this is not a, a new reader-friendly book, in my opinion. Well, It I'll... does give you certain information, but then it does it in ham-fisted ways, which this isn't necessarily an exposition dump, but there was a page where... Um, he like right after he defeats Superman, he like notices the the lodge or whatever it's called, uh-huh. and like his suit malfunctions, and he's like, "Well, I guess I better go down there and check it out." It's just like old hammy dialogue, where like like instead of just letting the art tell the story or whatever, like the character has to make sure you get what he's about to do. So, and, and I mean, Dan Jurgens is kind of a, uh, I guess the word I'll use is classical comic book writer. Yeah, like that's very. I mean, that's an old story thing anyway like characters yeah, it, have, been, characters have been doing that for years it's not a damning criticism but i feel like i don't necessarily like having my hand held when i'm reading the story yeah or if you're going to do something like that you gotta make it seem organic but why would tim just be talking to himself like well i guess i'll go look down there you know it just it, it, i mean he could have literally said that like oh, i guess i'll just go look down there you know but it was more of like uh well but better better clear the area and hope alfred can do something mm, okay or at least maybe do a thought bubble most people just don't talk out loud to themselves now, unless do, they're crazy. Do comics even have thought bubbles anymore? They don't use them, and in theory, they are could be an effective use, uh, have effective usage. Well, you have, um, to, you have to think about, like, back in the day, you always had a narrator who was describing everything that was happening. You know, they were like, you know, you don't just have Superman punching somebody of, and Superman with a mighty punch that shattered his jaw of yeah, justice. Yeah, it's a classical approach, which doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad approach. But for me, I feel like it's it can be considered a handheld approach, a handholding approach, okay. and that doesn't always work for me. Um, in this case, I think because in, in my mind it has a lot of things stacked against it. I like I said, I did like the artwork, and the writing isn't inherently bad, but. Is just a lot of elements where I don't think this book is going to. Well, I should say that DC has a tendency to really let their books last a lot longer past their expiration date. People have kind of given up on it, so this book could make it twelve plus issues. Um, but I just, I think they they didn't necessarily have to just retread the same old Batman Beyond ground, or they could have told something similar but kept it with Terry McGinnis, or like I said, used present day Tim instead of this older Tim but you really do have to read Future's End to get an appreciation for what's going on otherwise they're like oh Batman Beyond let me pick it like even with the cover the cover has all the original characters on it you pick it up and they have nothing it was almost like it was done to draw in people they were just like oh I like Batman Beyond I love the cartoon let me pick this up wait it's not Terry McGinnis most of the people are dead it's a dystopic future with like killer robot cyborgs and and who and it's Tim Drake like what it's almost like you read it and if if you weren't like us where like we're constantly in the know about everything you'd just be like this doesn't make any sense and put it down so you really do have to read Future's End to gain any measure well, of appreciation okay. I this. don't think you I don't think you have to have read Future's End you have to have known what happened in Future's End sure because even I didn't read past issue twenty of Future's End and I was able to get what was going on in this book well I I think given what we had read enough 
to say that it was a foregone conclusion. Uh, but even like even so, I, you don't get you know in twenty issues, Terry McGinnis doesn't die and Tim Drake takes over and goes forward. That happens at the very end of the whole story. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yes. Uh so I guess what the, what really this isn't Batman Beyond number one. This is this is Future's End number fifty three. This is for all intents and purposes the next issue of Future's End because Future's End was all about averting the the brother eye future, which didn't really happen. So not only did you get an entire year's worth of stories that that only really ended up serving convergence. But it, it didn't finish off the but, whole brother eye debacle. Uh, but we don't we don't know that for certain, do we? We don't like there's a story being told here, and we don't know the full effect of it. Well, then I hope it lasts long enough to tell the story, and that it ends up being worth it. Man, you are bitter. I, I do come off. I'm, I'm coming off kind of bitter right here. I I really I just want people to know like it's not that I'm trying. To, I I would rather have uh, uh, just a, your typical standard, not fresh. You know, or stagnant Batman Beyond book that's just retreading old ground. I I think some of the elements in play are interesting, but it's but it's but it's still not quite what I'm looking for. I would say keep Bernard Chang on art. Uh, not that I have anything against Dan Jurgens. Um, uh, I, I mean, just, I guess you can still continue to write it. <laughs> I I hate him so much. Like um, but but I guess I would have just gone in a different route. Yeah, I you know. There's still a lot to be seen. It, this is the first issue. This could be a pile of crap at the end of the day where it's like, man, that was a really bad idea. This could pay off and be something very cool and exciting. Um, right now, really hard to tell if you go off what I'm saying. You know, I'm like, there's optimism. If you go, go off what you're saying, it's like, don't bother. Just go stick your head in That's the why ground. we have two different opinions here. Yeah, it, you know, and it's... I would even argue... You know, having Marvel doing all this, so like, oh, new number one. You know, how accessible really are some of those number ones? It's like, oh man, I really love Captain America. Like, Falcon is Captain America. Like, how much backstory do you really need to get on that? You know. Well, I guess it's the case with just about any comic book, sure. Right, so my that's, that's my argument's saying. a little hollow, but just get. I, 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 I get, I I get guess... what you're saying. It's a specific. It's a specific storyline you you need to know a chunk about. Um to really like kind of dig into it where most of the time you can pick up like a Batman and I mean, except for Batman 41, that's probably going to be real confusing for new readers or very exciting. That comes out next week, by the way. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. But yeah, so Batman beyond, obviously it walks a line that in some places it stumbles for some people in other places. It doesn't, you know, please write in, tell us your opinion. Yes, please. Um, all right, you want to uh, tell us a little bit about Renew Your Vows? Because this is a big story that people have been very looking forward to. So it's 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 a, in the domain on Battleworld called the Regency. Um, it's, so it's not actually featuring our Peter Parker. It's featuring a Peter Parker right. who is, still works as a photographer for the Daily Bugle. It has a sort of almost retro feel. Um Vintage, maybe more vintage than retro, uh, or quaint, or timeless. It has a timeless feel. How many other adjectives are you gonna throw out here? Uh, oh, as many as I can. Are you getting Are you getting paid by the word? Yes, <laughs> um, but it does feature uh, married Peter and MJ, uh, and really this book is they're like 
Peter, MJ, and their daughter are all main. Well, in this issue, not so much the daughter, but she's she's a she's a character of interest. Um, but they're all the main characters. Um, it the art is great. Uh, oh crap! And um, why do they always just put the last name on the front page? <laughs> Don't they know it's a tag about Kubert, them? You know, his artwork is very. It does he does a very good job? No, it's one of the Kuberts. It's a, one of the Kuberts. Um, it opens with Peter tinkering at the dinner table while MJ is feeding the baby. They have a discussion about how Peter, you know, you know that she basically she respects Peter being Spider Man, but that you know he is a father now and he should be home more. Uh, and Peter's um, and he's like kinda, quiet woman, and then like swings out the window. He's kind of bemoaning that uh, <laughs> he's kind of bemoaning the fact that he's been picking up the slack for other street heroes like Daredevil and and all them. Um, he ends up. He ends up going to the Daily Bugle, finding out that heroes are missing and some are dead, including Daredevil and the Punisher and Moon Knight. Um, so Moon he ends Knight's up playing by the I Avengers. Thought, I thought Moon Knight's who, always been dead. Well, now he's dead, dead. Oh. Um, uh, and they're all... He swings by the Avengers and they're all having a, a convenient meeting discussing the same exact topic. And, so this Very part of the book, convenient. For, first off, there's a lot of words. Like, Iron Man's armor looks weird. Some of the characters are involved. Or like it's cool. It the whole thing does feel more retro. Captain America has like an A on his chest instead of on his head. Like the huh. A and the star are reversed. Interesting. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, Speedball's there. The White Vision's there. Classic Wasp <laughs> the, is there. It's kind of a mishmash of Avengers from different eras, but like they're all supposedly existing in the same relative time frame. Hmm. Um, basically, the Avengers are like we're we're prioritizing the source. So the source of this. Of these missing slash dead heroes, are, is this guy named Augustus Roman, who's the CEO of Empire Unlimited? That's um, an evil sounding corporation. Like literally, he, they just they, they tell him on one panel, Hawkeye. At the same time, is just I love like, how you overpronounce it. Now continue. <laughs> Hawkeye uh, is like guys. It's been a full on prison break at Rikers. You know, everyone's like, we need you, and and even though like they're just like. They're they're just like well we Black Widow gave us a source that the, that the that the guy that's responsible for these heroes missing is this this head of the CEO. You don't necessarily get the vibe that he's like like he's just a CEO like a regular dude. Right. As far as they as far as they know right now he's a regular dude. So as important as it is it is to stop the the, the death and capture of these other heroes, like there's an immediate prison outbreak of super villains. That and Cap's important. like, I'm sorry, Clint, but you, who's a normal human, and Mockingbird, who's a normal human, and Tigra, who's just a woman with orange fur and acrobat skills, right? You were all the stands between the prison breakout and um, the rest of the city. <laughs> we're gonna prioritize the CEO guy. See, that's like that's very Captain America though. He's like, you know, believe in yourself, and then like flies off. Oh, Captain sorry. America flies. He does right? say roundup. Uh, get, he actually tells them to ignore the escaping prisoners <laughs> that they're prioritizing Augustus Roman and they need all hands on deck including Sorry. Spider-Man except at the same time Spider-Man hears about the prison break and is like oh my god like Venom's gonna come and eat my family Right. so he ends up sense. leaving he ends up cutting out as they all go off to face Augustus Roman let's just say that, that okay there's a really cool though kind of terrifying image of Venom sitting on the couch with a captured Mary Jane and Annie their daughter uh huh um but just the, the way that Venom looks is really impressive. So Spider-Man goes to deal with Venom, 
which means he's not involved with the Avengers as they go to take the fight to Augustus Roman, who ends up being kind of a super adaptoid. He basically was capturing the heroes, killing them, and then augmenting himself with their powers. So he has, like, Colossus's skin and Cyclops's eye beams. He apparently wiped out all the X-Men, too, by the way. Right. Uh, so in the process, he's fighting all of them, and, like, he, like, kills the Hulk. And, okay, spoiler Spoil alert, all the Avengers die. What? So he goes from being just the CEO of this company to being basically the lord of this battle world domain. Dun, dun, dun. Um, called the Regent. Why he wants to call himself the Regent, I don't know. Um, Spider-Man also ends up killing Venom. So, so he helps his family escape. He ends up, le- um, or MJ ends up luring him to a burning building. Spider-Man fights him inside because fire is a weakness for Venom's kind of one of those funny characters where his two weaknesses are are like Sonics and fire. And let's just face it: if you took a giant high frequency like Sonic blast and hit me in the face with it, I would pro- my brain would probably turn to mush. And if you threw me into a burning building, I would probably burn to death. So Venom's uh... like one of those guys where his weaknesses are just like anyone's weaknesses. Well, okay, but not really like like. Bell, like a bell tower wouldn't kill you. No. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of being facetious, but um, anyway, so he fights him in the burning building, and Spider-Man ends up dropping the burning building. Even though they're standing right next to each other, Spider-Man makes it out, and you see Venom's hand kind of like, like apparent, apparently both Eddie Brock and Venom kind of like, like die. I don't necessarily see the symbiote dying, especially because there's a future cover that shows Spider-Man in the black outfit. Um, uh-huh. So maybe he gets the symbiote back in some way. Um, anyway, so as, as they're wrapping that up, all the Avengers were just killed. And then it cuts forward in time. Where he's like, he quit being Spider-Man, he's just a dad. Um, but they're living under the law of the Regency. And that I actually basically just gave you a complete play-by-play yes, of the book. Did. Which I don't ought me to, and I always end up doing it. Yeah, I usually um, stop you, but since I didn't read the book, I was like, I'll find out what's going on. Yeah, well, I mean, Dan Slott's a kind of writer that, uh, I'll, like, he's got his fans, and I will say that I was an absolute fan during Superior Spider-Man. Um, there was just something about it. Like, the way that he writes his kind of hammy, he literally writes like it's a Saturday morning cartoon. In, in many ways, as the best way possible. I mean, think of Spider-Island, Ends of the Earth. Like, a lot of his big Spider-Man stories were like the kind of things you would probably expect on a cartoon. Right, on the 90s. On like uh, a 90s Saturday, Spider-Man cartoon. Spider-Man cartoon. Um, so he definitely writes in kind of a hammy way, but it, it's not necessarily bad hammy. But uh, a lot of times his Peter Parker seems kind of like, despite being a genius, he's kind of a, a doofus. He's like kind a, of a man-child. Not, not even always a man. Definitely, I mean, yes, a man-child, but like a doofus. Right. Just like, like, just like, he's, how he's the, bum- he's he the bumbling his- dad from those uh, TV commercials. Yeah, literally. How does he know how to put underwear on in the morning? That's how sometimes inept he comes up. Um, that, but it's always kind of enough. It's like, well, because I'm Spider-Man, like, you know, I have a, I can't juggle my personal life. So it's not that I am a doofus. I just look like a doofus. But it's like, no, you're a doofus. Um, I so in this case, Spider-Man does seem like a bit more mature. Um, but it's, it definitely has the, the Dan Slott stamp on it. I don't really know where the story is going to go because it's featuring a Spider-Man, not the yeah, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. 
like certain elements are going to come into play with the the next the new Marvel universe, but I don't know how it's going to impact the Peter Parker. Yeah. In way. So if anything, what it really is is just a fun uh, detour through Battle World, featuring it's, the Spider, the married Spider-Man that everyone wished was right. back in play. Well, see, and it, it sounds almost like a little disappointing for me as someone on the outside because I'm like, oh, cool, this is like a chance for them to do a Spider-Man that you know they've always wanted to, but they put him in this really huge story where it's like you know you don't really have time to explore him as Spider-Man because you're dealing with like the you know the world-ending problem mm-hmm. instead of having it just be like let's have it really be about him trying to balance this this personal life of marriage with you know stuff going on um, yeah like you like you kind of want you want to see it in sort of the ongoing fashion that like yeah. the him being married and having a daughter is just an element of the book um you know but it's not necessarily like in this book like the fact that it jumps and obviously it's a limited series um, right, it has, I mean, it has like the stuff going against it, where it's like, well, if we're gonna tell a story, we might as well go big. Yeah, it's like it's like you know, Batman's always gonna be Bruce Wayne, and like when it was like when what? it's status quo, like you want it to feel like it's just the status quo, Batman, like it's an element that's just going. What? Batman and Bruce Wayne aren't the same guy. Oh, sorry, I've never seen I, them in the room together. That's true. That's true. But I have seen Batman and you in the same room together. So, so I'm sorry, David, but you're not Batman. Man, I. Thought it was true, but I didn't kept it. <laughs> I wasn't one hundred percent sure. Yeah, you know, you, you wait for the DNA results. And... Anyway, it's it's one of those like first issue things where it's definitely set up some interesting elements, uh, interesting elements. Uh, the art's good, the writing's not bad, um, but it's kind of those things where uh, I probably won't bring it up again until the book's completely wrapped. In which case, we can look back on it and reflect on mm. what was. Right. Okay. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Spider Man, renew your vows. It sounds like something I'm commanding him to do. Like, Spider-Man, you better renew your vows if you do want to do it, dinner. Spider-Man. Well, let's um, see. Lots of other stuff came out this week, too. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I, like, Justice League came out. I read that. It's the start of the whole Dark Side War. Dark Side War. Um, I, I mean, the art, Jason, J, J, Jason, I think it's Jason Fabok, the artist, is just killing it on the book. He's a good artist. He, he's good. And he just keeps getting better. Great definition of characters, good scene setting. Um, yeah. It just, it just works. Um, there's a lot of elements in play. A, a lot of these, like, I think like books like Batman beyond even renew your vows. And especially the justice league arc feels like books that are made specifically for the fans. Like there's so many elements in play that you really have to like be entrenched a bit to kind of appreciate that's kind of what this feels like. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, with all like the fourth world, you know, new Genesis apocalypse elements, Mr. Miracle, um, with the anti-monitor coming back in, uh, this daughter of dark side who also happens to be an Amazon. Oh, lady dark side. Um, She's not necessarily, well, her name's apparently her name is grail. Oh, well, whatever. She's still attractive. <laughs> um, you know, and obviously crazy stuff happens. Cyborg, Stuff, well, stuff happens. Flash has, like, literally yeah. Grail comes out of his face. Oh, weird. Yeah, don't get worried too much in uh, recapping what happens. Yeah, I'm not going to so. go into the minutiae. Oh, details. is Spider-Man, or Spider-Man, Superman not really? Oh, I guess he kind of is. He's not on that cover, really. But is he, is he kicking around with the Justice League right He's now? in the book. This book does not reflect any of the current changes. Bruce is still Batman. Superman's still, <sighs> as far as we know. So, But it's hard to tell, like, is this taking place before See, all the current storylines? 
That's what drives me crazy about Justice League is that it seems to be in its own pocket timeline. Like I imagine it'll catch up eventually. So is it? But but DC also said they're not going to worry too much about the continuity of it all. Just like it fits in there somewhere. Eh, so it I could just be like that. this is going to tell the story, and then when this wraps, and maybe when like the next set of you know Superman, Batman, whatever stories wrap, then we can kind of say like this is where they've been since then, or like this you know right. when you do the next Justice League art, it'll reflect the current status quo. Yeah. Okay. Including the changes that will come from Dark Side War. Jeff Johns. Um, which, you know, it's fine. Like, really, the fact that DC has kind of said, like, guys, don't worry too much about it. I'm really not trying to sit down and read these books and be like, how is this all tying with this and that and this and that? It's just have fun, man. It's just have fun. Read the book for what it is. And I think Tom Brewer said this once on his Tumblr. He said, like, listen, like, five, six, seven, eight years from now, like, when these stories are all said and done, they've been and, and long ago published, like, you're not going to sit down and be like, man, this really didn't fit in with that one time that Wolverine was also doing that other thing. Right. You know, you're just like, wow, like that for what it was, was a good story. And I didn't care that it had some continuity snafus. Right. Like if, if you're enjoying it and it's a good story, like just enjoy the story. Yeah. Especially because so much stuff is, is collected now in trade paperback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People who are reading this in future dates are not going to be uh, sitting down, like analyzing like, well, what else was happening with Bruce Wayne? Bruce Wayne was dead. It's like, no, they're What's just going to be doing like, there. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of why I, I like the Marvel season model, just because it's sort of like, it's going to be seasoned like by creator, where it's like, do you want to know what like Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey would do with the Young Avengers? Here's 15 issues to show you, you know? And then so on, so like later on, you'll get like, do you ever wonder what like Charles Soule and Ryan Stegman would do with the Inhumans? Here you go. That, that's all I got. That's but, all you got. That's, those are your two examples. I guess so. Um, I, I definitely would like the season model if like they were able to keep the same writer and artist on for all the issues. Um, yeah. And someone was even, I think I was reading, they were saying like, yeah, if you do the season thing and it wouldn't necessarily work for the same artist, but if you structured it, so it was like, you did say 24 issues and you did maybe like alternating, like art, an artist would alternate like every like three issues or something, three, four issues. Um, and then, like, so you, you'd always have, like, two or three main artists on a book. Right. And so at least, that like, they know that they're working together. It's done on purpose. It works for the story. Um, you tell those 24 issues in a weekly format and then take, like, a few months off. And you gear up for the next creative team or your second volume of that run. You know, the writer wouldn't necessarily have to change. Yeah. Um, and do it that way. I think that would be kind of fun. It literally would be in like a season model where you watch it for, you read it for 24 weeks and then you take, you know, 12 weeks off and then you get another 24 weeks of story. Yeah. I don't know. That's lots of innovations that we will one day uh, enact on the comic fans and make them deal with. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, very cool. We just still got a lot of really great discussion out of this episode. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's other stuff that we didn't get to talk about that we read. Um, I know Secret Wars is kind of getting pushed back, which is unfortunate, but I'd say let's talk about that at issue four. Yeah, when we hit the halfway point. Yeah. The halfway Um, point of the war. Yes, yes. Uh, But, you know, let's go ahead and uh, do something we forgot to do last week, and that is recommendations. Uh, Do you have anything to recommend, Nick? What are you recommending, David? Okay, fine. I'll, I'll start off. So this isn't a book that we talked about, but I'm going to use my recommendation time to talk about it a little bit. 
something I read this week that was really good was Bizarro Number One. Uh huh. Uh huh. Which uh, let me you know get the creative team here. Uh, you've got Heath Corson and uh, Gustavo Durate. I don't know. Uh, and Bill. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last name. Sykowitz. Sinkowitz. Sinkowitz. Anyway, uh, anyway, you have uh, these guys writing a book about, and this is a book that doesn't take place in main continuity, uh, so it seems. Um, you have uh, Jimmy Olsen and Bizarro getting in a car together and going on a road trip because uh, at the suggestion of Clark Kent to get Bizarro out of town because he's trying to help, but he's just kind of failing. So, under the guise of, hey, Jimmy Olsen, if you do this and write a book about it, people are going to love it and you'll be famous. Uh, he gets duped into writing in the car with the big white lug. And in this first issue, uh, is of course fraught with many problems. Uh, Bizarro's pet um, chupacabra causes Jimmy to crash the car. And then... Jimmy also gets talked into buying this really expensive car by this really sleazy salesman. But Bizarro is, of course, there to save his worstest friend. And uh, they get out of there before the mistakes are made. But then, of course, the gods, the old Egyptian gods, visit the sleazy car salesman and give him a staff. Because his whole, his whole thing is that you know, he deals with the ancient Egyptian gods. So they actually visit him and give him a staff of mind control. But it turns out it's just aliens screwing with them. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's you know it's a really kind of bizarre, crazy book. Um, Someone even say bizarro. Uh, um, it's it's really and the reason I'm recommending it is because it's really a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and you know it's it's something that you don't need to be uh, mired down in the muck of current continuity to to jump on in. And this is really what I feel like DCU is all about is. Um, this you know these are the creative stories that that people are off the reins to tell and do what they want. Um, it's you know it's funny. Uh, the art is great. It really kind of has a um, like a, a newspaper strip feel to it, where this is some guy who looks like who would be drawing uh, you know the, the old Superman strip. Um, which by the way, did you know that there's still like a, a whole Spider-Man news strip going on that like, has its own continuity? Is, is it still going it's on? It's still going on. I looked this up the other day. Wow. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, so the, the art like kinda it has a lot more of a light hearted feel to it. It's you know, it's a road trip with uh with, with two buddies and Bizarro considers Jimmy Olsen his best friend or worstest friend uh in the world. And it's funny because he he asks um he you know, he even asked Jimmy Olsen like um Am you or amn't you not Bizarro's worstest friend? And like eventually he's like, you know, like, oh yeah, no, of course. He's like even worstier than Superman. Uh I don't know why. Like they, they just did a really good job of taking uh, Bizarro, who is I would say a hard character to write mm-hmm. and and doing him really well and, and letting us have fun with the book. Uh, which also, I, th- I think at the end of this, you know, this, this is America Part Six is what the first issue is called. You know, they're going to be uh, counting down. Yeah, um, I feel like this is going to be a book that's going to be fun. It's going to have a lot of heart to it, um, and you know, it's going to be a, a journey on this road trip. Is one we're going to want to be on with these characters. So mm-hmm. get out there, pick up Bizarro Number One. 
Cool. I am going to recommend Spaceman. Spaceman. Spaceman by Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Riso. It was their follow-up to 100 Bullets. It had nothing to do with 100 Bullets. So <laughs> there may have been a 100 Bullets sprayed during the course of the book. Right. Um, it started as Brian Azzarello's uh, attempt to kind of... I mean, he, it was kind of a mishmash of different... Like, this might how the future kind of turns out. Um, but it was that... it was He was apparently at a bar with some scientist friend who kind of talks about how like humans couldn't live long-term on Mars because our bodies just wouldn't be built for like the, 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 the atmosphere that's there right. long-term. Like, like you're in space and you lose like bone density, stuff like that. So he was like, well, what if you genetically engineered humans to be able to survive in that space? makes perfect sense. So, which, you know, we, I'm sure we could do it. So Spaceman is born out of that idea and features the Spaceman, or a, a one of these Spacemen, um, who was part of the original Mars missions where he and other, other uh, uh, Martian-bred humans, you know, t- carried out their missions and then eventually came back to Earth. Earth kind of fell into this sort of reality TV, like, dystopia. Um, I don't really want to get into a lot of details of the story. It, he, he went so far as to develop, like, how language may have, might develop by then kind of being inspired for the fact that we all like text and do short shortcut languages now mm-hmm. uh, dialogue or whatever right uh, we take shortcuts while like writing and talking um so everyone kind of talks in like a, a weird shortcut format um so from the language to like the the concepts in place about what the future looks like to the characters it's definitely kind of got that same gritty noir hundred bullets feel but set in a sci-fi dystopic setting and it's just you might need to read it twice partly because like when i was reading it for the first time like it was tough to get through because of the dialogue but once you kind of get through it and you like you you've parsed out what a lot of the dialogue means then you can go back and reread again and you get a much deeper appreciation like a lot of work went into like developing this world and it really shows it's a very lived in world um, but yeah, so I recommend it. Spaceman by Brian Azzarello and uh, Eduardo Riso. You can get a nice, sexy hardcover copy of it. Um, oh yeah, wherever comic books are sold. Oh yeah. Oh right. yeah. Great. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's what the uh, Kool Aid guy would say. <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, well, awesome. Great show great going there uh man imagine if we had had our original discussion this would be an extra long episode still still getting up there in time anyway but hey we hope that you all enjoyed it if you have any thoughts or anything that you want to tell us uh you know if you have any thoughts on dcu any books you think we should be checking out please email them to us at heckyeahcomics at gmail.com you can find out more about us and the show at heckyeahcomics.com you can follow us on Twitter at Heck yeah Comics. You can follow me on Twitter at DavLuz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. Uh, you can find Nick um, attempting to genetically engineer himself to survive on Mars. And, of course, if you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next time, goodbye. Good day, sir. Why? 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 Why?
worst episode ever.